Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Welcome everyone to the Spirit of EQ podcast. This is Eric Pennington. Today we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Timmy McCarthy with Cocoon Investments. This is an episode I've been very anxious to, to do, primarily because I wanted to have him on the show for probably over a year. But my accessibility, my, my hey, Timmy, would you... That all kind of fell to the side until about a month and a half, two months ago, and he was able to fit us in. So we're super, super excited. So fit us in. that makes me sound important. Well, Timmy, you are in, in, in my orbit, you are. And I think our listeners are going to get a tremendous amount out of our conversation as well. So Timmy, uh, you, I mentioned to you before we went on air that I like to give our guests the opportunity to tell their story. So I've known you, I know your background and all this. Can you tell the world a little bit about yourself and then let's dive in. Okay. So, um, I guess, uh, I, I grew up in, in Menor, Ohio. Um, I was actually born in Cincinnati and, uh, have lived in Columbus now for the last 20 years. So, mm-hmm. uh, you could argue that I kind of have been around Ohio, uh, <laughs> and have seen every major city, in fact, lived in Dayton, uh, Troy specifically for, about a year and some change as well. Um, but to skip all of that and to get right to the meat of it, um, in 2000 and well, in 2000, I was trying to, uh, pay for my last two years of school at Wittenberg university. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, uh, I got a call, uh, from the tuition office saying, uh, your, your checks due. Um, and I said, what do you mean? I've got a loan and a scholarship that's going to pay for all four years, uh, of school. And they said, nope, it just paid for your first two years of college, uh, not your last two. So I started freaking out, I called my <laughs> old man and I said, uh, do you have any, have any thoughts around this? Uh, and he said, yeah, in fact I do. I just got off stage, uh, talking, uh, at a conference, uh, in the restaurant space and this guy uh, came up to me afterwards uh, with eight chicken finger restaurants, a black and white logo, and sold everything individually. Uh, and he asked me if I would uh, do work with him as a marketing consultant. But I can't be a marketing consultant and build the business that I want to build, which has an asset uh, that I can sell someday. So why don't you take him on as a client and I'll teach you how to be a marketing consultant and you can pay for your last two years of school. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is great. I jumped to the chance. I said, yes, absolutely, um, I'll do that. And the the guy that came up to him uh, was Todd Graves who founded Raising Cane's um, Chicken Finger uh, yes. restaurants. And so 
Um, I worked on that as a project for my last two years of college, paid for my last two years of college, graduated as an English major. Uh, and uh, then what do you do with an English major? <laughs> you, you start a, a franchise, right? <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to teach. Okay, right. But in right. this case, uh, it was cooked chicken fingers for, well, at least the next 17 years. Yeah. So uh, I moved down to Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, and trained as a crew member, worked my way from crew member to manager, uh, helped him open up their 12th location uh, in Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, moved back up to Ohio, uh, became their first franchisee in 2004, uh, and opened up the uh, Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers on the uh, east gates of uh, Ohio State University's campus. Uh, What was uh, Beekman's Bagel uh, Shop? And uh, then opened up restaurant number two on the corner of Ackerman and Olentangy and uh, 44 restaurants later um, uh, merged back with uh, Raising Cane's. And now I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. Oh, man. There's a lot there. And there's even a part of that story that didn't dawn on me because you've, you've told when we've had conversations sure. individually about that. You would have been about 20 years old when your dad said, here's an idea for you. Yes. That seemed to be, that. was that a little daunting? Um, I think if I didn't recognize in the moment what the other daunting option was, <laughs> which was to stop school, <laughs> then yeah, it would have been a little more daunting. But it was almost like, listen, you could, it, and he never even said it this way. But it was almost like you can either choose to stop going to Wittenberg or you can take on this quote unquote daunting task. Um, And so it almost didn't feel that daunting. Um, Kind of in the moment, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, Sure, I'll do that. Um, All right. So as I go down a rabbit hole and uh, our producer, Brett, can say, yes, Eric, you'd like rabbit holes. So (laughs) I got to ask as well. So I know there's some kids, especially I would say today, who might say, well, hey, why didn't your dad just write the check for your last two years? Or can you just get another loan? Or but those were your two options. Yeah. uh, So um, he didn't have the money. That was one okay, of so the, it was yeah, really it was, case kind of, of, it was like tapped out. I mean, I he he himself was an entrepreneur from 1988 mm-hmm. uh, all the way up until 2007. Mm-hmm. So he was um, Robin Peter to pay Paul yeah. and yeah. Uh, oh, just yeah. trying to make it. I mean, I grew up with uh, Rucky Rarms, not Lucky Charms. I mean, we <laughs> had, you know, we were shopping at Aldi and just trying to, scrape it all together i might be doing this from a cathartic standpoint because (laughs) my son sometimes he looks at me as if well why don't you just write me a check and he goes i'm an entrepreneur grant i i'm i'm not like uh i'm not drinking cognac and cigar and smoking cigars every night i'm flying private no (laughs) it's like i'm i'm working my rear off here yeah um so uh good for your dad um so you made that and, and you mentioned about what you want to do with the next year, part of your life. And that is one of the things I want to talk about today. Great. But we'll, there was a story, and, and this was when we first met. And uh, it, for 
lack of giving the entire story and that all stuff, the kind of work I was doing for you at Raising Cane's around helping your people. With. with. Thank you. That's good. I appreciate that. <laughs> Keeping me straight here. Um, working with Raising Cane's, the idea was people development, helping them see yeah. what they could be, what they could do, how they could make what their dreams, and on and on. And I was one of the people that came to you and said, hey, yeah, I, I think that would be something I'd be interested in doing. And I didn't know you at the time. Uh, and I was also just a bit curious. It's like, wait a minute. You want to dedicate this amount of time and you want to let, I mean, it was very, very people focused. Yes. I mean, it's very people focused. And the thing that still sticks with me today, I asked you, was there some event, some like aha moment where you just said, oh, now I understand or wow, this happened to me. So I must do this. And you just looked at me and you kind of, and those we're in a studio, so you can't see us visually. <laughs> so I remember the look on your face was kind of like, no, I just can't stand to see people stuck. Yeah. And I just said, <laughs> there was two parts going in my head. One, I'm going, how profound. And the other is like, I don't think I've met someone like this before, <laughs> right? Because they're Except just- Except for myself. Right. You were definitely a unicorn, man, because- Yeah, but you are the unicorn too, so- Well, the matching accordingly. Yes, I get that. You know, the universe kind of converging at all, yeah. right? I get it. Um, but I still remember sitting in that little office. It was an office, like a conference room in, uh, in Worthington. Yeah. And just going, this guy really believes this. So I wanted to unwrap that a bit. I know this, you, don't, you didn't want to see people stuck. What was it about seeing people stuck that, for lack of a better way of saying it, broke your heart? Well, I mean, I felt stuck myself too. I mean, on multiple occasions. Uh, and um, uh, I was lucky enough to have a network mm -hmm. uh, that I had access to um, that when I stepped back and realized it, not everyone has that same network and access to resources. And I don't mean financial resources. Right, I just right. told you about Rocky Rarms <laughs> and, you know, just barely scraping by. I mean, yeah. my mom had a, uh, our, our famous story in the house, uh, is of a $15 birthday, uh, where she literally, uh, smashed in order for us to get ice cream cake, she smashed Hydrox cookies in a in a plastic bag and threw them in a bucket of ice cream, and that was our <laughs> ice cream cake. Um, and <laughs> That's so, good. It, I mean, that was the entire. And we had a present, and it was amazing. And and we yeah. still talk about it. We don't yeah. talk about all the ones that were amazing and had all kinds of gifts and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, we still talk about the fifteen dollar birthday, right? Mm -hmm. Those are moments in my life, but they aren't my whole life. Yeah. And so, um, I recognized, um, as I was building the business mm -hmm. that the people that I was working with, this is not noble or glorious. That is the majority of their lives are these $15 birthdays and, and that kind of thing. And in this space, especially in the restaurant industry, mm -hmm. many people can feel stuck. Um, and many people find opportunities through the restaurant industry. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of, of stuckness happening. And I just, it, it broke my heart. 
to see people that didn't feel like they had the ability to take that next step. Yeah. And so I actually stepped back and as I was trying to figure out how I would approach that, which is where you and I, uh, interacted with each other. Um, I actually tried to, and this is a little bit of, you said rabbit hole. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking out loud of, of how the sausage got made, Yeah. but I stepped back and I, I took a whiteboard and I started, uh, to draw, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. in terms of how do I help, um, uh, help people get unstuck. And I, you know, was thinking about physiological needs and, um, uh, you know, all the way up to self-actualization. And I, I started to draw a line on the pyramid and said, anybody in the organization that's below this line, I'm going to give them a fish. And anybody above this line, I'm going to teach how to fish. And then I realized, what an a-hole. I'm really, I'm so... Now I'm the person that's going to give someone a fish because they're below this line, but they've been knowing how to give themselves fishes all the freaking time. And I'm the a-hole that's going to come along and be like, oh yeah, here's some more fish. No, they actually know how to fish, but I got to teach them how to, or maybe I can help them realize Mm -hmm. how good they already are at fishing and that they can write their own futures. And that's where you and I started intersecting. Yeah. And that's that's what brought about this this whole concept of And, and I'm glad that you uh, that you kind of unwrapped that a little further. Um, because uh, one of the things without fail, and I'm I'm an observer, uh, Timmy, and you know that, and I I I would sometimes I'd go into some of those interactions with your people and just just pay attention, right? And, and, and kind of go, okay, what is it about this? Because as you realize, man, there are a number of organizations, even now. I mean, I know that, you know, you, you've made the transition sort of, for lack of a better way to describe it, out of Raising Canes. Yes. But there are organizations out there today who are like, that's what we want to do. We've been trying to do that for years. We've been try- but, you know, it seems we did this program, we did that program. You know the drill, right? Yes. So... As I kind of transition and pivot a bit um, to this idea, because it's not totally about engagement, but you know, we we recorded an episode recently that's coming out about um, this idea about um, think of the pyramid, right? Yeah. You have one point of the pyramid is the intellectual side of us as human beings, right? Another point is the emotional side, and then the other point is spiritual, right? And for our audience, if you haven't just listened to that episode yet, what I'm talking about when I say spiritual is I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about who you are. What makes Timmy McCarthy, Eric Pennington, who they are? That's the spiritual. Right. The emotional, it's like, what are we doing with our emotions? How do we manage this flow that continues to go through us every single day? And then the intellectual, which I think our society has embraced to the point of Almost imbalance. It is. Yeah. And that was kind of the point we were making on the episode. It's like we're we're living as part human beings because those other two third human beings. Yeah, third yeah, <laughs> exactly. Third, right. And and don't get me wrong, Timmy, it's not that I'm judging and saying, Well, if you don't do this, then you're not this. It's me saying, if you want to live your life a third of who you are, 
that's your choice. I mean, right. and far be it, who am I to say you should do differently? But there's something interesting in the dynamic of engagement because I've been thinking about, well, you have a person who maybe is well-paid. They have great benefits yep. uh, on and on and on, but yet they're dry. What's missing? So I want to kind of go down that pathway, not necessarily to my pyramid idea, but when you look at, maybe when you look back, what do you think are some of the the reasons why we're in that engagement vacuum or, or we have this engagement problem? So I actually heard a speaker uh, one time and she was wonderful and she uh, helped me understand uh, that there are really, um, <laughs> there's two things that are out there. Um, especially as it comes to, um, someone working in and with your organization, Mm -hmm. there are intangible benefits and there are the tangible benefits. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we're out there talking to people and talking to others, Mm -hmm. uh, we talk a lot about these intangible benefits of working with us, which if you put that out into the ether it almost sounds too good to be true. And all of a sudden people start turning off and tuning out because it's like, it's, they, they've got their BS radar up. And so they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Or we go the other way where we talk about nothing but the tangible benefits, flexible schedules and, uh, paid time off and all these other things that are very tangible, Mm -hmm. but then they get in the door and the intangible side of things is not, it's, it's not sticky enough. No one, they, they get in and nobody notices that they're there. Nobody cares. Nobody asks. Mm. Nobody asks that question around how's life? How are you doing? Is everything okay? Um, or they don't for a while, but then somebody feels and gets stuck and they don't care to notice then either. Um, and it, it's, it's the briefest of moments that happens where someone decides whether or not they're going to stick with you for forever. And if you can catch that moment at the right time mm-hmm. and get other people's uh, radars enough up, not so that they're so vigilant that it's just, you know, oh, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Everybody okay? <laughs> right, okay, right. okay, let's go talk about this. It's more of um, kind of a, frankly, it's a natural instinct that we have, but I think to your point of the uh, imbalance in the pyramid, we spend so much time in the logical space of need uh, that we forget to notice the other the, the points at which other people are imbalanced on those other parts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get it too. Uh, there, there are probably certain leaders or whatever that might say, hey, we're not talking about spiritual stuff. Right. Or... Emotions, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Because it's it's scary, it's concerning. But going back to the tangible, intangible thing, right? Um, we spend so much time on ping pong tables um, and foosball tables and free lunches, which are all beautiful and amazing yeah. tangible benefits. Yep. That we forget the substance that that keeps people around. That, yeah. that creates the stickiness of, of an awesome organization. Well, and I know in the work at Spirit of EQ, um, and though 
I, I've mentioned it before. You know, I, I, I certainly, if I could have had my wish, I wouldn't use a pandemic in order to get sort of eyes to open. Uh, it would not have been my choice. But here we are and all of the stuff that kind of just it kind of attached and attached and it wasn't just a pandemic. It was this and this and this, right? Yes. And I will say that um, in the organizations that we work with, there is now an openness. Like it's not a shutdown anymore. It's not a, yeah, we don't need that. Or you know what? Uh, fourth quarter, come call, call me then. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, I'm listening. And, I, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that for obvious reasons, but I'm also like, it's almost like the person who waited till the water was up to their nose and then says, hey, Timmy, can you help me here? Yes, I can. Yes, I, I'll try. But man, the water was up to your waist like yeah. an hour ago. That would have been the most optimal time to get you out of there. So I say all that to say, it, number one, for our audience, it's not too late. That's not my message. Like, you know, we've, we've hit the tipping point and we're done. I just think it's kind of that dynamic of um, when we say, when we're talking about paying attention to the things that are uncomfortable, the spiritual and the emotional, it is not a, it is not a deal where, you know, you've got to get up in front of your people every day and bear your soul. And like you said, Hey, is everybody okay? Everybody okay today? Yeah. They'll run screaming. Yeah. Because right? that's not what they want. Right. Right. Um, I'm finding in our interactions that it, it really is just a basic level of human empathy. Yes. Um, I, I, I really don't want you to solve my problem. I would, it'd be great if you would maybe just pay attention and listen for a minute. Just say, you know, kind of communicate, I see you. Yeah. Right? That's it. Sometimes it's just enough to notice. Yeah, right? Um, because <laughs> it's really ironic. I'm in a session this past week and there's discussion of, oh, I've got to do this and, you know, we're busy. We've got all these things. We have these projects. I mean, it's just like they're reading out the litany, the litany. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, how many of us are really that busy that we can't slow down enough to say, hey, Timmy, I, I don't want to go where you don't want me to go, but are you doing all right? As I say, that took, what, five seconds. Now, unless you're in part of the negotiations for the Iran nuclear deal, <laughs> maybe, just maybe, you've got five, ten seconds to just express just that, right? Yes. Um, obviously in the world that you ran, you guys were moving pretty quickly. There's yeah. a lot going on. What do you say? I'm going to say what was your go-to, but what made you stop? I mean, obviously in the beginning, maybe it was easier, but what, what was your go-to to, Hey, I'm going to slow down. Cause if I didn't, then I wouldn't have the opportunity to talk with this person. Um, and I've found over time mm-hmm. um, that often people want to do exactly this. They, they're In their heart of hearts, they want to connect mm-hmm. with other humans in a deeper way. Yeah. But one or two times, or maybe 10 times, they actually asked, and then someone actually shared. 
And then they didn't know what to do with it. Mm. And the level of disappointment that comes on the other side of not being able to go to that place with that person can be unbearable. Mm. Because you want, I mean, as a human being, we want we want to be helpful to others because we can imagine ourselves in that space or we're so shut off from that, uh, that we can't imagine ourselves in that space. And so we gird ourselves up with all these boxes mm-hmm. so that we can protect ourselves from being in that space, which then going back to the original point, you don't want to ask that question because if you've got that box around you, if you find out that there's a hole in your box, and the air starts getting in or the sunshine starts getting in, it looks scary because you've been in this box for so long that is nice and dark and it's exactly the way you want it and it's it's perfectly constructed for you at this moment. You but, know, um, you, you obviously and uh, know my background prior to this entrepreneur journey. And, and, and when I look back on my corporate America life, I think it was really, really motivated by trying to outrun my dad. You know, I mean, and and I'm saying that from the perspective, Timmy, that in the role that I had, I had multiple direct reports with you know another layer, you know, the the typical corporate, you know, thing. And I think about how much you miss. It'd be easy for me to look past you when I'm I'm in a race with my dad. And someone could say, well, what do you, well, I'm talking about all that was in my head, all the things that happened to me when I was a kid yes. that I needed to address. And I, I convinced myself that this race with my dad, if I could outrun him, then, and you never think about when you're running that, hey, you know, you missed an opportunity to talk to Susan. You missed yeah. an opportunity to talk to Timmy. You missed an opportunity to talk to Brett. If you would have said that to me back then, I would have said, that's not important. What's important is I've got to outrun him. And the ironic thing is, is that when you eventually, when the race is called, and eventually there's always going to be that. Always. You're left with, that was just futile. I can't outrun my, I mean, that, but at the time when you you were like, yes, I've got to. And I sometimes wonder, Timmy, and my situation could be totally different than others. I get it. There's all kinds of dynamics here. But, you know, when you talk about yourself as a human being, um, that says, I haven't forgotten that I'm a human being. Yes. Because it's it's just subtle. And where I'm going with this as well, the value system, right? The intellectual side rewards us with achievements, titles, money, all these things, right? And quite frankly, at the end of the day, most of the conversations, whether you're in, in media, social media, or whatever, right. it's around. I achieved, I won, I obtained, yeah, all of that. Yeah, the curated life. The curated life, that's a, oh my gosh. That's the title, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> the curated life, exactly, Timmy. That's that's what I'm talking about. So if that approaches the thing to do the approach to take yeah 
Well, then I leave my emotional and my spiritual behind. So when Timmy crosses my paths in the hall, I I'm not, I don't want to go there because I have a feeling he's going to want to talk. Okay, I'm going to keep going this way. Or if I'm forced to interact with you, I'm going to do it in the quickest way possible so yeah. that I can move on. Hi, how you doing? Oh, good, good. And you? Good. Yeah, okay, great. Exactly. Rinse and repeat. Have a good day. Rinse and repeat, right? right? Um, so if somebody who is out there listening, and it may very well be, and by the way, audience, we will give Timmy's contact information. I would highly recommend reaching out to him <laughs> just from my own experience, and it's been good. So if somebody reached out to you and said, okay, I get what you're saying, but I don't know how to do that, what would you tell them to do? What would be one of the first things you might tell them to do? Because I don't want to limit it just to one thing. Know thyself. Hmm. First? Well, I, well I, how else are you going to be helpful to anybody else in any of their situations if you aren't willing to explore your own self? So could that be potentially that if you had met me 20 years ago and I said, Timmy, I got this deal. I'm, I'm racing. I'm trying to outrun my dad. I would have had someone that might have said, well, have you thought about or what makes you want? I mean, is that kind of where you're going with that? One way? To know that you're in a race with your dad and to admit it to an audience and to admit it just between you and me which is in a larger audience too, now that it's <laughs> <on a> <laughs> right, <laughs> is in and of itself knowing thyself. So, um, and it's only the tip of the iceberg. Exactly. I, I mean, yeah. there's so much stuff underneath that. Yep. Um, and I have to admit that um, uh, you bringing this up uh, helps me to say to a larger audience uh, that I too was in that same boat that to some degree, mm -hmm. maybe to a large degree, uh, raising canes, Ohio was built in competition with my father nah. who never asked to be in competition with me, who did nothing but want to support me. Um, and yet I tried to sweep them to the side, um, and, uh, make it my own thing. Um, and anytime, someone brought up, uh, Timmy or you and your dad's business or any of those types of things. Um, it was, um, like somebody was poking a hole in my box. Uh, and this constructed theory that I had, uh, around what life was like. Um, and it wasn't until it wasn't until after it was over that I started to realize uh, what I'm sharing with you right now. Wow. Um, I appreciate that, uh, your willingness to, to go there. Cause, um, um, I know that didn't answer your question. No, but, but that's good. I mean, I mean, well, you know, it's good and it's bad. It's bad that you didn't answer the question because, <laughs> but you still have a chance to, but it's okay. good because that, that kind of, cause that kind of takes me to this place of, um, it's almost like running when we're running out of time. Right. When you feel like you're running out of time, it, it kind of spurs motive yes. urgency. Right. Right. Um, and there's a lot of wisdom in learning from your past experiences and, you know, okay, I learned from that. I'm going to do this. But I think, man, there's still something inherently great 
to be able to go, oh, I can relate to what Eric and Timmy said. That's I'm in that. I'm in that place. Yeah. And Timmy, maybe they're in that place where I haven't been one to talk about it. I'm not going to, I would never, but it's, I see it. And maybe, okay, you know me, I'm an optimist, right? The maybe, eternal. <laughs> eternal, right? Maybe he says to his wife or her husband or spouse or partner or his partner, whatever, I think I know why I haven't been like into this anymore. Yeah. Because that, again, the, the idea of the self-knowledge, right? But let me a- let you answer that question. Okay, you mentioned about self-knowledge as being maybe a starting point. Is there anything else that you would say, hey, here's another thing that you might want to consider doing or thinking about? Being okay with whatever the answer is on the other side of the question. And sometimes, if you haven't noticed in the hallways, uh, when you do kind of quickly brush by, the other person doesn't necessarily want to talk. Um, or answers in the same way that you've answered, right? So, but notice is probably the one word that I could say on repeat uh, in this. Notice in yourself first, right? Because then you start diving in and noticing in yourself where those emotions are, which could lead you to the spiritual side. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, but notice when someone else answers, but there's something you can tell, you can, you know, and can tell, even if you're not completely in touch with your empathetic side of yourself, you can always notice that one little, just the drop or the inflection point or how they answer the question or good, Right. Right. That kind of, and and that's a little more obvious even than some, or they don't even look at you in the eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. they're kind of off to the side. Good. That might be an indicator that something else is, is going on. And that doesn't, that doesn't even mean they want to talk to you and you got to be the one that approaches, but that might allow you to then go somewhere else and find out that something is bugging them. You know, um, one of our um, business partners, and I, I think I, m- I mentioned this on a previous episode, we were, we were sitting down with an uh, organization that said, well, what's your ideal customer look like? You know, that, that atypical yeah. question. And we went through a litany of the typical things that fit our profile of what we want and what we're looking for. But he said something at the very end that really, it, it's never left me. He said, and we want to work with leaders that see their people. Mm. And I just, I remember sitting there and I I love it when it happens, right? With him, uh, it's happened with you before. It's happened with other people where I go, I'm in the middle of something that has to do with a certain subject, but this took me to a different place. And I'm like, it's like an out of body experience. It's like, Eric, did you hear what he just said? (laughs) And I'm going, yeah, that's it. That's it. Because if someone, and, and again, I get it, Timmy, we, we are on a journey and we are where we are. If we've not been in, we haven't built the neural pathway to notice people. Yeah. It just doesn't snap your finger and then you do. But there's something very powerful <clears throat> about 
um, being that intentional and the return that comes from that. Right. Yeah. And the crazy part is some of them just wanted a freaking job. That's all they wanted. Right. And so I was over here selling this, um, amazing culture, work experience, career pathing, developing people, know your future, know all this grand horizon type stuff. And someone and a lot of them just wanted a freaking job. Now they wanted a safe work environment and they wanted to go where they knew they were cared for, but they just, they just wanted to come be in the space and go home. That's it. And so what I, um, what I had to step back and realize is I, if I'm going to be allowing of all things, I needed to be allowing of people that weren't drinking the freaking Kool-Aid either. And so it, it, it at first pained me. And then I started realizing, wait, that is the accepting part allow for everyone to come in and have the experience they want to have. Yeah. Some just want to come in, cook some chicken fingers and go home and others want a career path and move up and move in and, and have me ask them how they're doing. Mm. And I got to be real enough with myself to recognize which person is that person. And every, yeah. then there's this whole part of the bell curve, which is the majority of the organization that like is somewhere on that spectrum. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That bell curve, uh, uh, visual. Yeah. That, that's really good. Um, and Timmy, um, I, I, I've, I have a, a sort of a working belief thought about empathy and I've really been wrestling with this lately. I, I, I caught a video um, it was an interview that was done, I think, in late 2021 um, between um, Oprah and uh, Brene Brown. Okay. and Which are two heavy hitters. Yeah, two heavy hitters. And, and I've never been a fan of either one of them. All right, just full, full <laughs> disclosure. Go for it. But it was a testament to me as I listened to them, and specifically Brene Brown, <clears throat> And let me clarify, audience, when I say I wasn't a fan of them, that doesn't mean I thought ill of them no. or anything like that. It's just they they didn't they didn't play the kind of chords that struck me, right? But way to go to get outside from behind yourself and go, okay, let me listen to and these, I'm so, right? And Timmy, yeah, exactly. Because what she said, and I'm still, I'm going, okay. I'm Because we know thinking is hard. Yeah. Thinking is hard. That's why that's why America is so full of judgment because <laughs> we right. don't, we don't it's like easier to judge instead oh, of think. It's right. easier. Yeah. So she had and what really I, my, my sort of my um, I don't want to say my confidence, but maybe my my applause for her went up because she was saying she was basically being transparent, saying, I think I had it wrong. I think it's more of this now. And, you know, that for someone at that sort of the heavy hitter Ooh. to say that, yeah. I mean, publicly is a pretty strong one, right? And with the size audience that both of them yeah, have, exactly. right? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. it's not like five people. They said it to five people. <laughs> it was a cocktail party right. and nobody was recording or whatever. <laughs> but she said um, that she believes that the pathway to empathy, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, is to listen to a person's story and believe them. Ooh. 
Because in her research, Timmy, if you, like, for example, if you just smacked your hands on this table in the studio and walked out, it would be easy for me to go, Timmy's upset or Timmy's anger. Yeah. Or maybe there's an emergency. That's three things that come to my mind. She said their research showed there could be 50 different yeah. emotions, issues that could be going on. If I don't catch Timmy later, maybe it's nine o'clock at night. Timmy, I just got to ask, you just abruptly left. Is everything okay? What's going on? Yeah. Well, Eric, I got a call from a future business partner and he's now changed the story. Right. And I just, in that moment, I was so angry. Yeah. I just had to go. Oh, so, oh, wow. And then maybe we continue the conversation. What were you, what were you guys going into business about? Right. And you never know. Maybe you go, yeah, that was the issue. And I go, you know what? I have a friend of mine that does that. Oh, really? I mean, you see where I'm going with that. I do. And, and the crazy part to me of what you're talking about is what you didn't mention, which I think is most people's reaction, is, wait a second, that person left because of me. I did something wrong. Yeah. I looked at him wrong or I asked him the wrong question or whatever. We don't then assume, I mean, you went kindly because yep. you got some empathy or otherwise, yep. and you're kind of confident within yourself maybe that you, your three things that you shared with us are around other things that are logical conclusions. Mm -hmm. But often we, we put we ourselves first inward. as, oh, they're mad at me. Yeah. And to that point, she also mentioned about one of the reasons that we don't like to believe people's stories is because it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. And I thought, <clears throat> but why? And there's therein lies. So I'm not going to give it away. Uh, and for the audience, um, I don't have the full interview, at, and I'll get with Brett to have something that points to it. Uh, I may have even mentioned it before in p previous episodes, but this interview between Oprah and Brene Brown is where I'm referencing. And I, I, th I think about that, Timmy, um, if that part of believing their story makes me uncomfortable as a leader and a leader of people. Yes. I could see that as being a very large wall to uh, that could block my desire to pay attention, yeah. to to notice, to to see them. And I guess there's that plea in me that says, you know what? Um, they're not. Most people I've experienced are not looking for an endorsement. They're just looking for someone to listen. Yes. Right. Yeah. I think. Culturally, we sometimes, we, we think that it's about, I've got to have answers for you. I've got to figure out yeah. how to fix this for you. Especially we males. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, yeah. Me, let, me, let me solve this problem. This yeah. looks like fun. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Instead of just listening. Yeah. All right. So I, I got to ask you something, um, and this one has been on my mind for a while, and I've, I've he held this back from you just in our one-on-one oh, -on -one conversations because I knew you were in the middle of it, and that is transitions. Um, certainly I want to ask you, um, when I think about when the merger happened and you were no longer raising canes of Ohio, but yes. now it was going into the corporate entity, um, the transition of you kind of moving out and aside, maybe you've had other transitions that prepared you for that. Maybe not. 
but can you talk a little bit about how you have navigated the transition? And I know there is good, bad, and ugly because yeah. anybody that's really truly been aware of the transition that they're in, it has all of those elements. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, so a lot of a lot of how I've navigated is uh, by asking, I mean, we're going all the way back to the beginning of this, uh, my network. Yeah. Um, and um, I cast about uh, asking everyone else uh, what my next was. Mm-hmm. Um, and sought advice and counsel and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, the number one person that I, uh, forgot to ask is my wife. And so finally one morning it dawned on me like, what a dumb dumb, right? <laughs> like the, the person that's so important to me and she to I and I to her and everything else that like, I didn't ask her. Um, and finally I did. And, and she said, um, well, uh, not to be too morbid, but, uh, on your deathbed, you look back on these last decades, uh, after the transition and what would you look back and regret not doing? And mm-hmm. the one word, I mean, instantaneously, the one word that popped into my head was teach. Um, I'll rewind a little bit and answer your question in a little bit of a different way. Um, mm-hmm. I got advice as I was casting about, um, uh, and, uh, someone said, you built 44 restaurants, but I'm not sure you really understand the scope of what has happened. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation to you is to actually drive to all 44. If you can do it in order of their opening, but uh, I realized that would be pretty challenging because we were in Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton. And sometimes within a year, we'd have all of those right. different openings in all those different cities. Yep. And so um, I started realizing that wasn't possible. So what I did over the following three days, once the transaction had closed, um, is I went to all 44 restaurants. I didn't stop for lunch. And I started at six o'clock in the morning and I didn't show back up at the house with the family until six or seven at night. On the third day, I walked out of the, um, I walked out of my car and I laid down on the grass for 15 minutes, just totally zonked. And I talked to someone, um, the next day and I was telling them this story and, uh, they said two things. Uh, number one, when you were out and about, did you, did you just drive your car onto the pavement and then leave? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, you understand that what you built isn't outside of the restaurants. It's Mm -hmm. inside. And I said, okay, that's, that's great. I really appreciate that, but I'm not sure I can emotionally handle that at this point. Right. And they, and I said, so, so now why was I exhausted? If I didn't emotionally handle that, why was I so exhausted? And they said, because you went to 44 funerals inside of three days. Wow. And I, I just, I'm not sure this is answering your question. I'm realizing now. um, But it's what you did. But this is, these are the things that I did in order to try to resolve. It, It was almost, I was almost in the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, early on it was denial and all of these kinds of things because 
I'm not sure any of this happened within the time frame that I would have wanted. In fact, I know that that's the case. Right. Um, and so, but even if you have it happen exactly when you want it to happen and it all happens just well and dandy and fine and you're pleased with the outcome, um, it's, it's in any transition, there is a loss of something and we don't know in that moment what the gain is. And we have to experience, I, this is what I'm finding, we have to experience the loss in its entirety in order to understand and then to mourn the loss, let it go, in order to open ourselves up for whatever the gain is and we don't know what that gain is Yep. until possibly <clears throat> decades later when we look back and realize, oh, this is where that was all heading. You make a great, great point. Um, I, and it's certainly it, it, not in, this, in the same realm, but um, my, uh, my oldest daughter and I, um, she graduates from college. She moves back home for a period of time as she's looking for her next stop or her first job, right? right. First career move. And um, we were butting heads pre- pretty heavily. And and some of that butting of heads made sense because she hadn't been living at home for a while. Yeah. Um, and then, but some of it was just, some of it was just silly, trivial things, you know? And um, I'm, I'm not sure if I've shared this with the audience before, but um, I was doing a session with a group and we were talking about uh, emotional literacy, right. understanding what what that emotion is, what does it mean, what is it telling you, all of this kind of thing. And there was a brief period of, hey, if you have any questions, you know, you can feel free to raise your hand type deal. And this one lady raises her hand and says, you know, what do you do like if your family just annoys you? Of course, you know, at that time, the bell's going off. Like, I, I'm in your tribe. I know what that's all about. I'm right in the midst of it. Of course. And she says, oh, but don't misunderstand me. I, I love my family. Um, they're, they're great and, and all. But, man, sometimes it's just, you know, um, I feel bad at saying this, but, you know, it's like they get on my nerves. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm standing there after she finishes, and it was as if um, I consider it um, and you know me, Timmy, when I say this, it was as if God said, see, Eric, you want to be the dad of 10 years ago and you don't want to let go. Nope. Oh <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was the center of the pro of, of, of the issue. Yes. So all my anger, my frustration and the butting of heads was trying to get my attention to it's time to let go. Yeah. It's time to discover what, the new father is going to look like, right? Now, here's my point within that. I couldn't tell you what it, what the new father was going to be. I couldn't tell you how this, the circumstances. And I think that that's why I'm hearing you say this about, you know, this is what you did. Because it's not, this is not this, hey, uh, let's tell the audience, this is how you handle a transition. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't is, know. And I'm still, yeah. hand, I mean. <laughs> yeah, right? right? Yeah. So I, 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 I want to be I, I will tell you, I know for me, is the idea of being open is truly advice I'm throwing out to everyone. 
be open. Yeah. So if being open means that you drove to 44 stores and you're only in the parking lot and then you realize, boy, I should have gone in and then, oh, I forgot to ask my wife, but I, right. then I did make all the mistakes you need to right. bump your head, you know, do, do all of that, but be there. So if I may mm-hmm. add one more thing yes, to being open. Yes. Uh, rewinding a smidge, um, I'm freaking out about something. I don't even remember what it was. Might be death or, and it's not even my own, like something else was happening. This was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I walk in to my dad and I'm just sharing this. I'm kind of have this outpouring of things like I'd, this is happening and that's happening and all these other things. And I'm really worried about this. And And he stops me and he looks me dead in the eyes and it's a similar moment to you where it was like a complete opening of everything. Yeah. And he said, Timmy, find comfort in the unknowing. And I just, every, that was, I, I, at the time I was resistant to the information. Right. At the time I was yes. like, oh no, there's an answer and I got to solve it. And this is a thing I got to solve and find comfort in the unknowing. What if, who does he think he is? <laughs> All this stuff is running through my head. Right. And now, you know, a bunch of years later, it's still in there. You got to be open, but being open might not be enough. You got to be comfortable or at least as comfortable as you can be in the unknowing yeah. of whatever is coming. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes to sh- uh, the other thing that really um, is maybe veiled around this is that you keep showing up. Yeah. You know, those are the people I really, really admire in, in my past and present are those that they be ma- they may be making tons of mistakes, but when it's time to play... They're there. They, they just keep showing up. Yeah. Almost the Rudy Rudigers um, from uh, Notre Dame, right? I mean, yeah. they're just five nothing, a hundred and nothing, and they're just constantly yeah. on the field getting it done. Yeah. And that doesn't even mean you got to work hard. You just got to show up. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, 99% of my student experience uh, wasn't necessarily writing the A uh, paper, uh, the A plus paper that led me to future success. Uh, frankly, it was just making sure that I rolled out of bed and got to class. <laughs> Seriously. Well said. Right? Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Timmy, what's exciting in your world? What are you excited about? What are you working on that the world should know about <laughs> via the ep- uh, Spirit of EQ podcast? So, um, uh, I am still exploring. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still experimenting. Mm-hmm. I'm still, um, uh, trying to figure out, uh, what is, uh, next. Uh, I still have responsibilities. Um, uh, so we are, uh, we still have, uh, land that we hold and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I'm, I'm business partners, uh, with a couple of great, uh, business partners, uh, and we are, uh, building an organization, but my role in that organization is more uh, coach and um, kind of advisor than it is active mm. uh, operator 
uh, day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 was what it was, but now again a transition uh, in my mentality around uh, what my role is. So um, with that, it opens me up to a lot of uh, time and the ability to explore. Uh, what I want to be doing mm-hmm. um, and going back to that um, thought that kind of uh, came from somewhere when my wife uh, asked me uh, what I wanted to do uh, with the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, teach was what showed up mm-hmm. uh, in reality. What I think is happening is more coach and I don't mean sports coach. I mean, business ownership coaching. Mm. Um, I have had uh, a hell of an experience. Am I allowed to say hell? I you are. Did. I just said it twice. This yeah. is great. You should have heard her last episode <laughs> <laughs> where I referenced somebody. And, well, we'll, we'll get, we get we get we get emails okay. and text messages. Great. How so. dare you? Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I I think. Where I'm headed is coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have this dearth of experience. And, and frankly, when I graduated college with an English major, I thought, oh man, you know, I'm going to teach, uh, I'm going to go get my PhD, first my master's, no, I'm right. going to teach English uh, in college for the rest of my life, where the, where the leather patches <laughs> on, my, yes. on my jacket uh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, the plaid jacket. Um, and to some degree, I still have some of that desire, but I think with my experience now, um, and approach to the world, I, I am enjoying, uh, coaching, but not just for profit businesses. I also am finding, um, that, uh, nonprofit, uh, leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, and people in that realm, uh, are also someone some ones uh, that are attracted to me and me to them. Um, and I find that I'm helpful as they try to figure out what, it, but it's, it's not about business coaching because that's the funny part about all of what we've been talking about. Yep. When you leave the person out of the business, you're only getting a part of the person. Because the person that's showing up isn't the one that walks through the door and they've left their their stuff at the door, which everybody wants to have happen, but that's not how people show up. And if you act like they're not bringing that stuff or you tell them a time and again to just leave it at the door, then they're, they're not going to be their whole person at the office. They're not going to be their whole person that's working with you. Yeah. Because if you can, can come in and address the whole person that's there, you're going to get so much more out of them. And so when I'm coaching someone, I'm not coaching them. I'm coaching them towards their dreams and what they want to have happen. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's about their nonprofit or for-profit work or what they're actually trying to get accomplished. It means all of whatever they want out of life. Because the business and the nonprofit is really ultimately just there to serve what they really want to do with the entirety of their lives, whether they yeah. want to make an impact or otherwise. And so, you know, you're, you're mentioning something that I think is, uh, we may have spoken about this just in one of our times, uh, together, um, one-on-one, um, this idea of the, our court, our, our 
cultural um, dressing we put on entrepreneurism and business ownership. Yeah. So much emphasis on achievement and are you now at this level and have you hired and all this again, it's like, it's like, it's yeah. like a football game, like yeah. scores, you know, where are you, you know, where are you at? And I, and I remember saying to you, I know in my early days of entrepreneurism, I could have just used a good solid dose of reality, you know, a good, yeah, so, and, and, and certainly I, I, I would, I would have certainly preferred that whoever was going to give that to me, give it to me in a loving way. Right. But so that I could understand that don't get yourself maybe thinking that this is going to be some glamorous ride. There are some entrepreneurs where it has some elements of that. Yes. But my gut is, Timmy, even if you talk to Elon Musk, he's going to be able to, he's got a lot of stories about their times where I wonder, do I really want to be doing this? Yeah. You know? Especially if you talk to Elon Musk. Yeah. Because what I've, what I've found in now my experience is, these things that we think we are driving after to achieve the things that we think we want, they turn to dust in our mouths once we've consumed them. And so we, it's what we've found over time or what I'm finding, uh, is that it's not the achievement itself. I, I feel remorseful that in the moment, so while I was building the business, what I always wanted was the moment when it was over because then everybody would have achieved and I would have achieved what I was hoping to accomplish. What I found out after the fact on the other side of it is that everything I ever wanted was the stuff that I was already experiencing. On that note, Timmy, as we come to a close, I'm going to ask you if you will come back for a part two episode <laughs> because I just wish we had more time because that's a money one. And that's where I think we need to leave this conversation. Okay. So would you come back? Yes. Oh, he said, yes, I got it. Well, yeah, I mean, you asked me right on air. Like, I'm not like, <laughs> All right. I don't right. have a choice yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah, Who put says you, no? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we haven't, have we had a no? Jerk. Yes. I think we're, we've got a great streak. Everyone, we really do appreciate you tuning in. And as always, we look forward to being with you the next time. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So yes. how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So, reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So, to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you.
Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.